Amen. Aren't you glad for the solid rock and that the anchor still holds? Won't you turn to Genesis 24? Genesis 24. What we find in Genesis 24, which some of you may have read it already, we have read it in the past, and it's tomorrow's reading, but it's such a beautiful picture of a steward, of a servant, that even though chapter 24 is not about him, he's not the subject matter, but the scriptures describe his journey and the assignment that he was given and his faithfulness to fulfill that assignment. Now what the passage is about, it's about Abraham securing a wife for his son. That's what the passage is about. It's about him sending a servant back to his homeland and finding a wife for his son Isaac. And he made his servant commit that he would not take Isaac uh, with him because God had told Abraham that he was to uh, not to return to his homeland, that God had given him this land as an inheritance And what we find in Genesis 24 is the process that Abraham begins to share with his servant. And the servant's name is Eliezer. And the scriptures do not mention his name in this passage. We we know of his name from Genesis 15 when Abraham is questioning whether or not he will have an heir in his household. He assumed that because Eliezer was the oldest heir born under his roof, he would receive the inheritance. And the Lord tells Abraham, matter of fact, just turn there, Genesis 15. Let's see. Genesis 15. Let's see. Let's start in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward, which we got to look at last Sunday night. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring, and indeed one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your body shall be your heir. Now, as we think on that, we see who this is over in chapter number 24, and he's referring to him when Abraham says in verse number 1 of Genesis 24, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to his oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife from my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take 
my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and he swore to him concerning this matter. And then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. For all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. Now, Eliezer is, is this servant that we find here, and there's some, some things about him that we can learn uh, from his actions and what we see in his character as a steward, as a servant, somebody who is uh, getting the job done, the steadfastness of a steward who is found faithful. Now, the first thing we need to observe in this, I believe that's important, and it's important to me, is that this servant, his name is never mentioned directly by God. Recall back in Genesis 15. Now, we know all this was, is the word of God. It's written by God, but God did not speak to Abraham directly using Eliezer's name. In Genesis 15, when Abraham said, what about Eliezer the, the, of Damascus? He is my heir. The Lord didn't say to Abraham, no, Eliezer is not going to be your heir. This is how he worded it. If you remember, we just read, he said, this one, this one, this one is not your heir, but you will have an heir that will come from your body. Now we find in this passage, his name is not mentioned, and it's not going to be mentioned, and we never find God directly referring and speaking the name of Eliezer at any time. It's significant to me. Why? Because we often want to take a notoriety in things. We can find ourselves, it's a human nature type thing, we can get to the place where we want to get a little credit for, for what we've done or we want to make sure somebody recognizes our name or our name is is mentioned and, and if it's not mentioned we can easily get our, our feelings hurt that people wasn't paying attention and that never happens. Matter of fact, we'll find as you read through this, even when he gets to Nahor and that land and he meets them and speaks to them, he does not tell them that he is Eliezer of Damascus. He says, I am Abraham's servant, for he is my master. Doesn't even bring his name into play. Doesn't even bring it up. And that just speaks of the character of this servant who had a commission, had an assignment to do, and he did not make it about him. He made it about what, what the master gave him to do. And the same thing applies to you and me is that I have seen in my own journey, in my own walk, where some people uh, like titles. And if you don't refer to them as a title, if you don't refer to them as a brother, or if you don't refer to them as a doctor, if you don't refer to them in those kind of things, they take personal offense to that. 
that you address me as Dr. So-and-so. I have earned that right and earned that degree and done all that work for this. I am a doctor. You address me as a doctor. Or people have taken personal offense in times past when people will refer to me like as Nick and not call me Brother Nick or, or not write and say Reverend Nick or those types of things. And that never offends me. It's okay. I'm Nick. That's who I am. If somebody wants to call me Brother Nick or Preacher or anything else, they, they can call me whatever. I've been called a lot worse, amen? And I imagine you have been too. So that, that is not, I don't take offense to that if somebody doesn't recall, refer to me as pastor or anything like that because I don't find that in the Scriptures. When we, we refer to the Apostle Paul as the Apostle Paul because we know him as the Apostle Paul, but we find people addressed him as Paul. We find people address Jesus as Jesus. And you can address me as Nick, and I am good with that. And matter of fact, Eliezer wasn't even addressed at all by God, by name, and yet he was all good with it. Amen? Amen. That helps me in this journey. Why? Because it's our duty. It's our duty to magnify and glorify our risen Lord. He's the one who gets the credit. He's the one who gets the glory. He's the one who gets the praise. Let's, let's just glorify him. Now, I understand in other walks of life and other things people do, whether it be a, a physical medical doctor or a doctor in profession of a, of a certain discipline or a teacher or whatever that may be. But I'm talking about servants of the Most High who stand before the Lord and proclaim his word they should not be offended if somebody doesn't refer to them with a technical title of what they are. Amen. That's just my personal opinion, and I find throughout the Scriptures we don't necessarily see that. And so I'm good with it. Even if that's a demand on them, I'm just saying we can learn from this man here who didn't take credit, who wanted to ultimately magnify his master who he worked for. Now, that applying over to you and me, we have a master who we work for. We have an assignment who, that we've been given. And it should be not that we magnify or glorify even ourselves or our own ministries. I don't know about y'all, but anytime I, I take notice of ministries out there that when they like advertising their ministry or they go into commercials on even TV ministries, all you see is they keep throwing the people's names up there and pictures of the people and, and what they are doing and what they accomplished. And, and those things don't, they don't sit well with me. When the man is glorified and not the king who saved the man. Amen? I don't know if I'm making sense to you in here tonight, but I'm telling you we can learn something because of the, of the fulfillment of the actions of this man. We don't need the glory. We, we, we direct all glory unto the Lord and give him praise. We see that with this servant here. The second thing that we find in it is his promise, his, his promise, a commitment that he made. Abraham had him make a vow. He made that, verse number 9, so the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning uh, the matter, you see, when, when we take on the reins of walking with the Lord to magnify him, to receive a commission from him, 
We're making a promise that we're going to follow and fulfill the mission. And as Jesus even taught, he who put his hands to the plow and looking back is not suitable for the work. Amen. You're not going to accomplish the mission if you're looking backwards. He made a personal commitment and promise to Abraham he would fulfill what he obligated himself to. Now, Abraham told him, if she's not willing to come, if they're not willing to give it up, you're free of that. But you go. He committed to go. He committed to bring the message. He committed to share the message. He promised he would do that. And he fulfilled that promise as we read all the way through and see the third thing that we find about him in verse number 10. He's prepared. The scripture says, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. He was prepared with what he needed to fulfill this assignment. Now what that does for me, is automatically take me over to Second like Peter chapter 1, where the Scripture says we've been given everything that we need for godliness and life to live for the glory of God. God, He's equipped us to do every assignment that we need. We have all that we need at the Master's disposal at our hand. We have been given God Himself, the Holy Spirit. We have been empowered and anointed to do His work. He's given us His Word to fulfill with power and authority. We have the Gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. We have no excuse whatever. We have everything that the Master has to accomplish His work. He's placed within our authority to operate within His will to get that assignment done. He's prepared. And I want to tell you, going in Jesus' name, doing Jesus' work, as the song we sing, little as much when God is in it, if we go for not wealth and fame, but go in His name, little as much when He is in it, I'm telling you, we have everything we need. There's not one thing that's lacking for us to accomplish whatever God calls us to do. Amen? Amen. Nothing. We have it. We're prepared. Everything's at our disposal. It is available. And he has granted us his word, which gives us faith to believe and trust and walk in his promises. And then we see, if you look in verse number 12, what do we have? He's prayerful. He's praying. But notice how he prayed. He says in verse number 12, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to who? My master. He's not making this about him, but he's seeking the Lord. He's asking. He's crying out. He's dependent. He knows that this will not be successful apart from God's uh, bidding, God's blessings, and God's ways. Verse 13, Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink, and I will also give your camels drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac, and by this I will know that you have shown kindness to your master. I mean, he is casting all his care upon God Almighty. 
He's trusting in his sovereignty. He's learned that as he's walked with Abraham. And he's saying, God, I need you to come through in a mighty miracle. I'm going to a foreign place and a foreign land with foreign people. I don't have any clue who I'm supposed to come in contact with. But I'm praying that whoever it is first that I meet, that these ladies at this well is going to be the one that you have set aside for your servant Isaac to bless. And he goes on in verse 15, And it happened before he had finished speaking that, Behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. And now when the young woman was, was very beautiful to behold, a virgin, no man had known her, and she went down to the water, filled her pitcher, and came up. Now watch. Here, here's the second, the, the, actually the fifth thing that we find is we see his passion toward this. Such an eagerness. He, he says in verse 17, and the servant did what? He ran. He ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him drink. And when she had finished giving him drink, she said, I would draw water for your camel also until they have finished drinking. Exactly what he was asking God to do, exactly what he was looking for, that's what happened. But you see a sense of, of this passion, this confidence in him that, that just controls him. And when he, he runs to the situation, when he sees her, he takes off and he's running. And that, that God has called us to be uh, that diligent and eager in our objective, that we're not to be hesitant, but we're to be passionate about carrying this wonderful message of our master who's in search of a bride, his church. And that we're dependent in prayer upon him, but we're eager not to run away, not to shy away. He ran to her. This is an old man, too. He ran to her with a sense of urgency. Passion to do that for you. It'll, it'll thrust you, it'll propel you, it'll move you. You see, a true steward has an available heart and an anointed mind that clearly sees it a privilege, an honor, and a responsibility to be used to exalt the desire of their master at any cost and continue to remain under their covering, their authority. Passion. Well, we know what happens. He, he continues on, and, and I'm not going to read all this. He glorifies God. He blesses him. He, he falls on his face and... And cries out to the Lord, but we see in verse number 5, we right here at it. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough to room and lodge. And then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master as for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brother. It's all about what God is doing for his master, and he's involved in it. Then we see in verse, drop down to verse number 32. We see a sense of priority. Watch what he does. Verse 32, then he came, the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and fed the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. 
food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I've told you about my business, my errand. And he said, speak, speak on. So he began to explain. And that just shows the sense of a priority in his life. He stayed the course. It wasn't about meeting his, his needs as it was to fulfill the mission, to do what he'd been set apart to do. We can learn from this, amen? We get so easily caught up in the little bitty things and, and, and neglect the, the priority because we're we, we looking out for me. I'm not the only one, am I? You ever get caught up where you just, you, you're more concerned about you and your next move and what you can get and what you can't get, how it's going to hurt you, how it's going to harm you, how it's going to be good for you and all these things. He said, look, I'm not putting anything in front of me. I'm not eating. I've got business to take care of. I've been on assignment and I, we, we got, I got to tell you why I'm here. Good point about being specific in our, our duty as a messenger of Jesus. Of telling people up front why I'm here, what I'm doing, why we're talking. This is, I got a message for you that God has given me to give to you. He stayed the assignment. Then we see, we just see how, how proud he is to represent his master. Notice his words. Verse 34, so he said, I am who? Eliezer of Damascus what does he say I am Abraham's servant and the Lord has blessed my master greatly and he has become great and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold male and female servants and camels and donkeys and Sarah my master's wife bore son of my master when she was old and to him he has given all that he has now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way, and you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house, and you will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God, my master of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink, and she says to me, drink, and I will draw water for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master. But before I had even finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with a pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from the shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink. 
also. So I drank, and she gave the camel's drink also. Then I asked her, and she said, Whose daughter you are? And then she said, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, and Milcai bore him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist, and I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who has led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. I mean, he's proud to represent Abraham. He's not ashamed. But we also see in that verse that I just read, in verse number 49, we see his persistence. That he's not there to play around, is he? He said, either give her to her, to Abraham, or I'm turning around and going back home. I'm going back to my master. He's getting on with it. He's getting the job done. It's his duty. is not to get stuck there, but to get his master a wife, Isaac a wife. So he's persistent. Tell me now whether you're going to give her or not. Then Laban and Bethuel answered in verse 50 and said, This thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here's Rebekah before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife. And the Lord, as the Lord had spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words. What did he do again? He worshipped. He worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Now this is a man that we don't find God mentioned in his name not one time. Called him this one. Just refers to him as a servant. But he can't help himself but worship. Of God's faithfulness. Then he brought jewelry and those things, and he gave these precious things to to her brother. And we go on and read, and we just see he he continues on. They want to delay his time, but notice he's productive. Verse fifty six said, and he said to them, "Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away, so that I may." Go to my master. So they said, we'll call the young woman personally and ask. And they go through and he's ready to get back. And they talk and they go through all this. And then we get over in verse 61. Then Rebecca and her maids arose and they rode on their camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Lehi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to mediate in the field. And um, what we have here? In the evening, and he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and there the camels were coming. Now watch this. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she said to her servant, to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took the veil, covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that had been done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Such a pretty picture, isn't it? If here he is, doing the work that he'd been sent to do. You've got to ask the question. Is this a good picture of a, of a faithful steward? Yes. Did he get the job done? Yes. Did he take personal responsibility for Rebecca if she would answer and respond properly 
to it or the family. No, that was out of his control. He just stuck with his assignment because of his love and honor toward his master. He shared the master's desire, the message, brought the gifts, everything he was prepared to bring at his master's hand. He didn't own a thing. It was all his master's. He gave it over, and he put it in her hands, their hands, whether she would take and follow him back. Folks, that's a picture of being a witness for Jesus. Being on assignment, and we can't make people respond. All we can do is go because the master sent us. Share the message, and the heart of the master wants them to be his bride. And we leave it within their hands, whether they're going to respond or not. But I can't get stuck if they don't. I can't get messed up if they don't. I just got to keep doing what the master called me to do. Amen. Amen. Worship him. Depend on him. Seek him. Be eager and passionate for him. All these things. You see, it's a neat. This passage isn't even about him. It's about Isaac. It's about Rebecca. It's about God joining those two together to continue the seed of the Messiah. But even though it's not about him, we can sure learn a lot from him as he walked as a faithful steward of his master. Amen. Amen. So the next time your feelings are hurt, the next time your spirit has been wounded, the next time you don't get the credit that you think you deserve or the praise or the adoration, just think about Eliezer, whose name wasn't even communicated by the God that he worshipped. Now, did God know him? Oh, yes. You think God blessed him? Without question. But he continues to emphasize to it. What's not important about his name. What was important is that the man was faithful. He was faithful to do what he was asked to do. And God blessed him. To him be the glory.